Standing on the platform of truth. Pioneer Health and Missions. Our dear, most kind and loving Father, we thank you, Jehovah, for this blessed Sabbath day. We ask that your spirit may speak to every single one of us as we hear and read your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The sealing, the sealing of God's people. How many of you have ever heard or studied this subject? Anyone here? It is a most solemn subject. This determines whether we'll be, whether we will be approved, stamped for eternal life or not. There are many things that preoccupy our mind. The things of the, this earth are many. But if there's one subject that should be constantly, continually in our minds is the silly. And you're going to see why this morning. There's two events that must take place before Christ returns and claims his people. Of course, there's a lot of prophecies that must, that must take place. But there are two, two um, events that point to the conclusion of this world as we know it. And one, we read it in Revelation chapter 7, verse 1 through 3. And I'm going to go ahead and read it again. Revelation chapter 7, 1 through 3. And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth neither the sea nor the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. So this destruction or the releasing of the four winds will only take place after Jehovah's people have received the seal. And of course, there's another passage, and this one is found in Matthew chapter 28. Verse 14, which reads, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then what? And then shall the end come. So we see that the good news of God's kingdom must be preached into all the inhabited earth. And when this takes place, the end will come. Now, what does the preaching work have to do with the sealing? In order to receive the seal of the living God, we must possess the character of His Son. Is that true? Involving ourselves in the preaching work is a must to grow spiritually 
and at last be approved and sealed. Notice the following statement. Let ministers teach church members that in order to grow in spirituality, they must carry the burden that the Lord has laid upon them. And what is that? The burden of leading souls into the truth. Those who are not fulfilling their responsibility should be visited, prayed with, labored for. Do not leave people to depend upon you as ministers. Teach them rather that they are to use their talents in giving the truth to those around them. And thus working, they will have the cooperation of heavenly angels and will obtain an experience that will increase their faith and give them a stronghold on God. When was the last time you were visited for not being active in the preaching work? Well, of course, this statement was penned during the times of Ellen White, right? And during, that, and during those days, the church was very active. The way that the organization and church operated was completely different than how it operates now. But one thing is certain. In order for us to grow in spirituality, what must we do? According to the statement, we must carry the burden that the Lord has laid upon them or us, the burden of leading souls into the truth. This is an important work. Why? We will obtain an experience that will increase our faith and will give us a stronghold on God. Sharing our faith is helpful in so many ways. Not only our knowledge of Jehovah's word will increase, but we will become settled in the truth as we share and teach the truth to others. When you become so active in sharing God's word with others, and as you're active in perhaps giving Bible studies and students ask you a certain uh, question about the Bible, and you don't know the answer, you look, in, you look into it. So your mind is preoccupied with not only finding the answer, but with God's word and sharing God's word. Wasn't that the life of Christ? Wasn't he constantly sharing God's word? Now, the next following statement is going to connect these two. Notice what it says. Just as soon as the people of God are sealed in their foreheads, it is not any seal or mark that can be seen but a settling into the truth, both intellectually and spiritually, so they cannot be moved. Just as soon as God's people are sealed and prepared for the shaking, it will come. Sharing God's word will help you. It's a tool to settle us into the truth. If our faith is challenged, when we go home, and we search the scriptures. And this helps us at the end. By saving others, 
we save ourselves. How important then is the truth? I understand the shaking referred in this statement is pointing to the shaking of the nations. Once the people of God are sealed, the four angels will release the four winds, shaking the nations. And there's a shaking going on in the Adventist church. But the shaking that's referred to here, according to what I understand, is the releasing of the four winds upon the nations. Notice the, the following um, statement. John sees the element of nature, earthquake, tempest, and political strife represented as being held by four angels. These winds are under the control, are under control until God gives the word to let them go. There is the safety of God's church. The angels of God do his bidding, holding back the winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree, until the servants of God should be sealed in their foreheads. You notice their political strife? The Lord has shown me that precious souls are starving and dying for one of present truth, sealing truth, the meat in due season, and that the swift messengers should speed on their way and feed their flock with the present truth. I heard an angel say, speed the swift messengers, speed the swift messengers, for the case of every soul will soon be decided, either for life or for death. The point of the matter is that we don't know when we're going to die. And as I was sharing some thoughts with a brother, what's going to happen when we die? Our, our lives in harmony with the light that we have received. Are we living up to the light that we have? That's only, a, uh, you could only provide that answer for yourself as well as I can as well. A work or reform, where do we find the seal of the living God? Where is the seal of God? In Isaiah 58, 13, we read, And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of Jehovah, honorable, and shall honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Then shalt thou delight thyself in Jehovah, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of Jehovah has spoken it. 
Are we careful with the way how we keep the Sabbath? How often perhaps we transgress it? How important is Sabbath keeping? We find the seal of God in the Sabbath. We find his name and who he is, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And that, of course, is his territory. The Sabbath is more than just physical rest. It also includes spiritual rest. As a matter of fact, spiritual rest comes first. Our minds and hearts, hearts must have rest in Christ. We can be here in this meeting place, but if we don't have the Son of God in our hearts, our Sabbath keeping is not genuine, it's not real. How else can we fully obey the commandment? Notice, when we began to present the light on the Sabbath question, we had no clearly defined idea of the third angel's message of Revelation 14, 9 through 12. The burden of our testimony as we came before the people was that the great Advent movement was of God. That the first and second messages had gone forth and that the third was to be given. We saw that the third message closed with the words, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And we as clearly saw, as we now see, that these prophetic words suggested a Sabbath reform. Do we, Seventh-day Adventists, need a Sabbath reform? Yes. I believe we do. Notice the following. Then Jehovah said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not. We're tested every Sabbath day. And sometimes we don't even grasp it. Hello, brother. Happy Sabbath. How are you? How have you been? Good. How's work? Or perhaps you're not even asked about work. I've had a very stressful week. And before you know it, our conversation is on earthly things. In holy hours. It's happened to every single one of us. I'm not exempt. And that's just one thing. It could be many others. I'm not here to put out a list of do's and don'ts. That's for the Spirit of God to do. But notice the following after Jesus opened the door of the Most Holy, the light of the Sabbath was seen, and the people of God were tested, as the children of Israel were tested anciently, to see if they would keep God's law. So again, we're being tested. We need reformation in our Sabbath keeping. We need to study and align our lives with what we read. Right? If we don't, we are deceiving our own selves. Notice carefully the following statement. Then I was shown a company 
who were howling in agony. On their garments was written in large characters, Thou art weighted in the balance and found wanting. I asked who this company were. The angel said, These are they who once kept the Sabbath and have given it up. I heard them cry with a loud voice, We have believed in thy coming and taught it with energy. And while they were speaking, their eyes would fall upon their garments and see the writing. And then they would wail out loud. I saw that they had drunk of the deep waters and fouled in the residue with their feet, trodden the Sabbath underfoot. And that was why they were weighted in the balance and found wanting. It's always a challenge for me personally when the days become long, when our Sabbaths are longer. It's always a challenge because if I don't start doing these things, God can look at me in the eye and say, why didn't you? What excuse am I going to have that day? Sure, I can use plenty of them, but not one is going to count. At the end, only two classes. You'll agree? Two classes. The obedient and disobedient. The worshipers of God will be specially distinguished by the regard for the fourth commandment, since this is the sign of God's creative power and the witness to his claim upon man's reverence and homage. The wicked will be distinguished by their efforts to tear down the Creator's memorial and to exalt the institution of Rome. In the issue of the conflict, all Christendom will be divided into two great classes. Those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus, and those who worship the beast and his image and receive his mark. And again, I want to repeat this. Sabbath rest is more than just physical rest. Because we can be here, as I said earlier. But our minds could be elsewhere. Our minds could be in the things of this world. And are in the project, perhaps, that we have starting Monday or tomorrow. That tells us where our heart, perhaps, is. In the issue of the great contest, two parties are developed. Those who worship the beast and his image and receive his mark, and those who receive the seal of the living God, who have the Father's name written in their foreheads. This is not a visible mark. Whose name do they have? The Father's name. The Father's name. What are you doing, brethren, in the great work of preparation? Those who are uniting with the world are receiving the worldly mold and preparing for the mark of the beast. Those who are distrustful of self, who are humbling themselves before God and purifying their souls, how? By obeying the truth, these are receiving the heavenly mold and preparing for the seal of God in their foreheads. When the decree goes forth and the stamp is impressed, their character will remain pure and spotless 
for eternity. Again, we read, obeying the truth. We must humble ourselves before God and obey the truth. We are to individually feed ourselves spiritually and obey that which we read. Obey the word of God. We cannot only depend on Sabbath to hear a message. We need to every day feed ourselves with God's word. What do you say? Now is the time to prepare. The seal of God will never be placed upon the forehead of an impure man or woman. It will never be placed upon the forehead of the ambitious, world-loving man or woman. It will never be placed upon the forehead of men or women of false tongues or deceitful hearts. All who receive the seal must be, must be without spot before God, candidates for heaven. Go forward, my brethren and sisters. I can only write briefly upon these points at this time, merely calling your attention for the necessity of preparation. Search the scriptures for yourselves, that you may understand the fearful solemnity of the present hour. Again, we are commanded to search the scriptures for ourselves. Our own course of action will determine whether we shall receive the seal of the living God or be cut down by the destroying weapons. What will determine our destiny? Our actions. We will. The sealing angel. Who is this angel that seals God's people? Who is the angel with the writer's inkhorn? Remember we read in Revelation chapter 7, 1, 3, that there's an angel that's coming from the east or from the sun rising. This is the third angel. Notice, I saw a little company traveling a narrow pathway. All seem to be firmly united, bound together by the truth. And bundles are companies. Said the angel, the third angel is binding or doing what? Sealing them. And bundles for the heavenly garner. Here's another statement. I then saw the third angel. Said my accompanying angel. Fearful is his work. Awful is his mission. He is the angel that is to select the wheat from the tares. And seal or bind the wheat for the heavenly garner. These things should engross the whole mind. The whole attention. You know what comes to my mind when I, re when I read this or when I read this? I don't know if you, perhaps none of you, I don't know. But I worked at, um, at, an, at a factory, an orange factory. And they have all these oranges coming through a, like a band. And they have certain individuals. And they're selecting quickly as, the, as these oranges are, are coming by. Which ones are good and which ones are not? The ones that are not good are grabbed and thrown into a basket or some sort of box that's right near you. Quickly. Well, this angel, fearful is his work. Awful is his mission. Because he's sealing 
God's people. And I don't want that angel to pass me by. So we know the angel that places the seal of the living God upon the foreheads of Jehovah's people. This is the third angel. And when did the third angel arrive in our history? When did the third angel arrive in history? Since 1844, in fulfillment of the prophecy of the third angel's message, the attention of the world has been called to the true Sabbath, and a constantly increasing number are returning to the observance of God's holy day. So do you mean to tell me that since 1844, this angel has been sealing God's people? Isaiah 16 reads, Bind up the testimony, seal the law. Among whom? My disciples. We need to study the pouring out of the seven vial. The powers of evil will not yield up the conflict without a struggle. But providence has a part to act in the battle of Armageddon. When the earth is lightened with the glory of the angel, Revelation 18, the religious elements, good and evil, will awake from slumber. And the armies of the living God will take the field. When these four winds are released, Armageddon. Angels are belting the world, refusing Satan his claims to supremacy, made because of the vast multitude of his adherents. We hear not the voices, we see not with the natural sight the work of these angels, but their hands are linked about the world. And with sleepless vigilance, they are keeping the armies of Satan at bay till the sealing of God's people shall be accomplished. Every form of evil is to spring into intense activity. Evil angels unite their powers with evil men. And as they have been in constant conflict and attain an experience in the best modes of deception and battle, and have been strengthened for centuries, they will not yield the last great final contest without a desperate struggle. All the world will be on one side or the other of the question. The battle of Armageddon will be fought, and that day must find none of us sleeping. Wide awake we must be as wise virgins having oil in our vessels with our lamps. How are we going to have oil in our lamps? If we're not continually or on a daily basis feeding ourselves with God's word. Not one of us will ever receive the seal of God while our characters have one spot or stain upon them. It is left with whom? With us. To remedy the defects in our characters. To cleanse the soul temple of every defilement. Then the latter rain will fall upon us as the early rain fell upon the disciples on the day of Pentecost. Not one of us will ever receive the seal of God while our characters have one spot or stain upon them. How is your character? How? Do you feel discouraged when you read statements like, like this?
this statement should stimulate us. Should make, should, we should reflect on these words. Where are we going when Christ comes? To heaven, correct? And then from heaven back to earth. And then and we will be living in an environment that is holy. We need to be holy. Amen. God wants us to be holy. Be ye holy as I am holy. So when I read this statement, what should happen is I should fall to my knees and cry to God and say, help me. Save me from myself. Not just today, but tomorrow, if my eyes open to see another day, and the following day, and the next day. But see, we get so caught up with the things of this world that we tend to forget the most important or the most solemn event. And that's what Satan is trying to do, to distract us, so that when the angel passes, we are left without the sin of God. Notice this statement. It is possible to be a partial former believer and yet be found wanting and lose eternal life. It is possible to practice some of the Bible injunctions and be regarded as a Christian and yet perish because you lack qualifications essential to Christian character. If you neglect or treat with indifference the warnings that God has given, if you cherish or excuse sin, you are sealing your soul's destiny. You will be weighted in the balance and found wanting. Grace, peace, and pardon will be forever withdrawn. Jesus will have passed by, never again to come within reach of your prayers and entreaties. While mercy lingers, while the Savior is making intercession, let us make thorough work for eternity. Thank God. Jesus is still in the sanctuary. Amen. And if I could conclude right now. What we need. Really. Is to love God. And his son. With all our heart. Amen. And mind. And strength. If we, if, if we do that. None of this. No, well we, it wouldn't, we wouldn't see things as a burden. Because we love God to the uttermost. They say that when you get married, there's, I don't know if it's true, but they say that there's books of laws that once you're, you're married, you can't do this and you can't do that. And now you, are, you ought to do this and you ought to do that. You don't think of all that when you get married. You naturally do it because you love the person. But when we love God, we will obey Him. That's why it's so important that we won't lose our first love. And if we have, Jesus calls us to repent and return Amen. to that first love. Amen. I recommend that you read, or that everyone reads, um, the chapter 38 in the book, Early Writings, The Ceiling. Chapter 38, The Ceiling.
on early writings. Satan was trying his every art to hold them where they were until the ceiling was what? Passed. Until the covering was drawn over God's people and they left without a shelter from the burning wrath of God and the seven last plagues. God has begun to draw this covering over his people and it will soon be drawn over all who are to have a shelter in the day of slaughter. God will work in power for his people and Satan will be permitted to work also. Some of these agents of Satan were affecting the bodies of some of the saints, who, those whom they could not deceive and draw away from the truth by a satanic influence. Oh, that all could get a view of it as God revealed it to me, that they might know more of the wiles of Satan and be on their guard. I saw that Satan was at work in these ways to distract, deceive, and draw away God's people just now in the ceiling time. I saw some who were not standing stiffly for the present truth. Their knees were trembling and their feet sliding because they were not firmly planted on the truth and the covering of the Almighty God could not be drawn over them while they were thus trembling. Notice, notice she says, now in these, or rather in this silly time. My dear brethren and sisters, let the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ be in your minds how, how often? Continually. Continually. And let them crowd out worldly thoughts and cares. When you lie down and when you rise up, let them be your meditation. Live and act wholly in reference to the coming of the Son of Man. The sealing time is what? Very short. And will soon be over. Now is the time while the four angels are holding the four winds to make our calling and election sure. I asked the angel if there were none left. He bade me look in an opposite direction. And I saw a little company traveling a narrow path. All seemed to be firmly united, bound together by the truth. And bundles are company, said the angel. The third angel is binding or sealing them in bundles for the heavenly garner. This little company looked careworn as they had passed through severe trials and conflicts. And it appeared as if the sun had just risen from behind a cloud and shone upon their countenance, causing them to look triumphant as if their victories were nearly won. The sealing time, as we read, is almost over. Only a moment of time, as it were, yet remains. But while already nation is rising against nation and kingdom against kingdom, there is not now a general engagement. As yet the four winds are held until the servants of God shall be sealed in their foreheads. Then the powers of earth will marshal their forces for the last great battle. Here's another one. Satan is now using every device in this sitting time to keep the minds of God's people from the present truth and to cause them to waver. This was written in 1851. And yet we read that the sitting time is very short. Is time short? Is life short? Yes. I don't know who I was talking to and I think it was a, a, a client of mine and He's about 50 years old, and he said, "Is those 50 years have 
flown by. And I remember my mother telling me that um, right before my grandma passed, I don't know why my mom would say this, but she approached her mother and said, I, um, God has given you many years of life. She was over 80 years old. And my grandma's response was, yes, but to me they have been very little. And I was quite, not surprised, but I was, wow, time does fly. I saw that Satan would work more powerfully now than ever he has before. He knows that his time is short and the sealing of the saints will place him beyond his power. He will not work in every way that he can and will try his very, every insinuation to get the saints off from their guard and get them asleep on the present truth or doubting it, so as to prevent their being sealed with the seal of the living God. Again, the year 1850. Let the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ be in your minds again continually. And I'm going to read down. The sealing time is very short and soon will be over. Now is the time to make our calling and election sure while the four angels, again we read, are holding the four winds. I saw that she, referring to a sister, Mrs. Hastings, was sealed and would come up at the voice of God and stand upon the earth and would be with the 144,000. I saw we need not mourn for her. She would rest in the time of trouble. So there were some during the times of Ellen White who died and who had already been what? Sealed. This was written in the year 1850. There was also some that were alive that were walking around already with the seal of God. Notice, they are living upon our earth men who have passed the age of fourscore and ten. The natural results of old age are seen in their feebleness, but they believe God, and God loves them. The seal of God is what? Upon them. And they will be among the number of whom the Lord has said, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. And this, of course, was written in 1899. What about our children? Were they, are they also to be sealed? Little children don't understand the message clearly, do they? Little ones. For that reason, parents are responsible for them in their young age. We should train them in the fear of God. And if we are faithful, the Lord is faithful. And He will protect our children in the time of trouble. Even if our children are not sealed, according to this testimony. Learn your children to obey you. Then can they more easily obey the commandments of God. And yield to His requirements. Don't let us neglect to pray with and for our children. He that said, Suffer little children to come unto me and forbid them not. will listen to our prayers for them. And the seal or mark of believing parents will cover their children. If they are trained up in their nurture and admonition of the Lord. Notice, if our children are taught to obey. 
then they can more easily obey who? God. However, parents, if we are not faithful with training our children, what would happen? Would God spare the little ones? Notice the following statement. The angel with the writer's inkhorn by his side will not put the seal of God upon any child who is irreverent, disobedient, and dishonors his parents. The destroying angel is commissioned to slay utterly old and young, that's in Ezekiel chapter 9, both men and women and little children. If children are insubordinate and disobedient to their parents, what, what does she say? They will be the same to God. If they don't respect your authority at home, they would disregard the authority of the land. That's true. But Ellen White took it higher. If they disregard what you say, they will disregard what God says. And God cannot afford to have someone disobeying his orders in heaven. Otherwise, another revolution would start. Right? And sin is not to arise a second time. When Jesus ceases to plead for man, the cases of all are forever decided. Probation closes. Christ's intercession ceases in heaven. This time finally comes suddenly upon all. And those who have neglected to purify their souls by obeying the truth are found what? Sleep. What can we take from this? Well, before sharing this message, um, of course, when I'm invited to speak, uh, we, you know, ask what what can I speak about? I say, and and I utter that prayer to God. What can I say? What can I share? Uh, and I said, well, maybe perhaps the sealing, the prep the preparation that we need to be sealed. And so I started looking. And when I was reading, it was hitting home. Or I, I believe I was on, on my laptop, sometimes I'm on my iPad. And literally I said, God, help me. I said that, please. I wanna be there. Amen. And the only one that can hold me from being there is me. I'm the only one. Because God is there by my side. He's promised me to give me the spirit of his begotten son. We got the angels on our side. We got all heaven on our side. There is no reason for us to lose out. So the only one that can actually interrupt that process is myself. So I pray that what you take out of this is if you have fallen off track, get back on track. And pray to God and say, Lord, take my heart. I want to love you with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my strength. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Every single day. 
And whenever you read something, whether it's in the Bible, in the spirit of prophecy, and you should be reading the spirit of prophecy, do what you can. Pray if you're having, if the, if the testimonies are challenging your lifestyle, perhaps the way you eat, or the way you dress, whatever it might be, God is there to help you. Amen. I'm pretty sure that if your child would come and look at you with tears in their eyes and says, no, they call me Papa. Papa, help me. I would help. And I don't see why God would not help us. He is desiring, He's eager to help us. He wants us to be in His kingdom. And that's the reason why we are still here. I'm going to end with this. And you probably heard it. As many speakers share this. A family of nine. A mother of nine. Lost one son. And one individual took that. You know people come to comfort you. Or visit you after a family member passes. It's okay. You still have eight. Is that any? Is there any comfort in that? There's billions that have existed in this world, but let me tell you, there's only one you. There's only one you, and if you're not there, it's gonna break the Father's heart. If you're not there, we can't tell God. Well, there's, there's because He loves you. That he would have gave his son just for you. Just for you. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that perhaps we have been challenged as we read and we studied the ceiling and we know who will, who will receive the seal upon their foreheads. But we don't, we don't want to look at ourselves and behold ourselves. We want to behold your son. And be transformed to his image. Please help us. I pray that every single one of us can. Recommit our lives. To you. To your son. And we can have your spirit. That it can become nature to us to share the marvelous light that you have shed upon our pathway with others and that by saving others we can save ourselves we thank you dear father and i pray for every single one here you know their challenges their trials i pray that you encourage them to continue running knowing that the race is almost over and jesus is about to come i pray that we can rejuvenate our effort and that we can continue to run and receive the price when your son returns. We thank you, Father. We thank you for your promises. And we ask you to be with us throughout the rest of this Holy Sabbath day is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Standing on the platform of truth. 
Pioneer Health and Missions. <laughs>